Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, I want to um, apologize in advance because today's show is going to be a little salty towards, uh, towards the end. Um, you know, folks, these, these, these libs and these media activists are obsessed with me, like boiling bunny, fatal attraction obsessed with me. It's, it's, it's creepy. It really is. If I, if, I, if I could show you my inbox, the emails I get every day from leftist lunatics, um, just totally eager to attack me at any opportunity. I'm going to get to that later, how it revolves around me, vaccine mandates, the radio syndicator, because apparently the left is incapable of understanding what's going on. But I've got a lot more to get to, too, so don't miss today's show. I'm going to update you on that situation because they don't, they don't want to understand. Today's show brought to you by ExpressVPN. Protect your data from big tech. They're always checking out what you're doing online. Protect your data. Get a VPN. Go to expressvpn.com slash Bongino today. Don't wait. Welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Let's get right to it. I've also got a very, very important segment on is the Clinton campaign finally in some legal jeopardy from the Durham investigation over Spygate? I don't know. I don't trust the Justice Department to do the right thing. But I got to tell you, something happened yesterday that's interesting. Very interesting. With cyber attacks on the rise, protecting your data security is more important than ever. So why is Congress considering a law that puts your data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? The Durbin Marshall credit card bill shifts billions in consumer spending to less secure payment networks, all so that corporate mega stores can make bigger profits. Don't let Durbin Marshall steal your data. Visit handsoffmyrewards.com security and tell your senators to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Paid for by Electronic Payments Coalition. All right, Joe, let's go. Let's go. Ho, ho, yeah. Christmas is around the corner. Yes, sir. And I'm still talking. <laughs> I just, you know what? I, I know I, what I, I, no, I just, I just, I've, I've, I've decided it on your intros that just to, <laughs> just to have my sip of green tea before we said, let's let you say hello to you. So whatever you do, you, uh, it's not me. I just, that's just my new routine. Now. I like it. And the, the warm the green tea helps my uh, vocal cords, which are getting sore from all this talking all the time. So before I get to the whole cumulus situation and vaccine mandates, which is uh, really uh, pissing me off this morning, pardon my language. I want to get to this first, the facts, vaccine and immunity to data theory. And I have, <laughs> I can't, vaccine mandates, Cuba's fact. The facts vaccine, don't laugh at your own jokes. And immunity to data theory on the left is proving true by the minute. I've joked over the years, but I'm, I'm only half joking. Like the only reason the joke is funny because there's an element of truth in it that the left uh, has taken the facts vaccine at an early age. The facts don't penetrate. It's like a vibranium coated skull, <laughs> maybe Wolverine, adamantium. I've kind of made this joke way too often. So it's probably not even funny anymore, but you get the point. Like facts don't get in. Facts, fact blocker. They took an injection early. They're immune to facts. Data doesn't matter. Proving again, my theory is correct. Here is Joe Biden. Remember the uh, the uh, global warming alarmists? They tell us, oh, that the earth is going to die. The death to the planet. Five years, six years, seven, nine years, 10 years. The, the, it doesn't matter how many times they revise their outcome from when the earth is going to melt and blow up. Leftists still believe they're telling you the truth. Here, exhibit A. Here's Joe Biden a little while ago telling us that the death of the planet, we're all going to die in nine years. Global warming's going to do it here. Check this out. Science tells us we have nine years before the damage is irreversible. Nine years. Nine years, damage is irreversible. Nine years, folks. No more time. Nine years. Irreversible damage, Joe. All downhill after that. Okay. Watch the timeline go up again. None of this bothers the left at all. You know, you're talking about something pretty serious, the death of the planet. You, my, my gosh, nine years. Like, you better start getting your emergency food together. I mean, seriously. You better stock up on gasoline, get an underground tank, a bunker maybe. I mean, nine years. Listen, I'm prepared. I always prepare for an emergency, but man, nine years, if I knew that for sure, here's AOC a little while ago, says, no, no, it's not nine years. Not nine, don't worry, guys. It's not, a, it's 12 years. So she, for, she did, I don't know, maybe she did a calculation and she got three years more. I don't know, some bartender math in the back of a napkin. Who knows? Here's AOC, don't worry. It's 12 years till we're all dead. The world is going to end in 12 years if we don't address climate change. 
like this is the war. This is our World War II. So this is kind of a serious thing. You're talking about the world ending in nine years and now 12 years. Kind of a big deal, right? World's going to end. You think we'd all be deeply concerned. Showing you again how leftists will fall for anything. Nobody's acting like that. Nobody's selling their homes, hoarding gold, trying to get a trip to another planet that can maybe support life. Like, none of that's happening. And you wonder, like, the left, but they still suck up. Yeah, 12 years, we're all going to die. Now, AOC came back yesterday, and she's now upped it from 9 to 12 to now 50 years. We now have 50 years until the planet's going to die. Check this out. We cannot allow, we cannot allow the climate crisis to become a catastrophe, which is what is, which is what is represented right now with this bill going by the wayside or being trimmed down any further. Because as I've said in the House Democratic Caucus, some of us are actually going to have to live on this planet in 50 years. And right now, what happens right now determines how bad it's going to be. And so this is real life, this is serious, and we need to govern like it. It's real life, folks, it's serious. Um, apparently not serious enough for you to get the math right. So Joe Biden said it's nine years, and now we're up to 50 years. Kind of a big difference, no? Yeah. Big, you're talking about the end of the world. Not a small mistake, right? Nine years? He didn't say nine and a half years, nine to 50 years. Maybe you're wrong by, is next time it's gonna be 100, 2,000, 3 million? I mean, what comes next? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Immune to data, immune to the facts, immune to everything. All right, moving on. Sorry, I don't mean to open up what kind of comic relief stuff. It's not funny. It's really nothing. It's only funny laughing at these idiots. But I'm really trying to impress upon you a very serious point that these people don't believe what they're telling you. This is nothing but emotional hysterics trying to get you to do things that align with their agenda. What they lost with the, when the, when the, with the fall of the Soviet empire, they picked up with their allegiance to a global warming alarmism, which does the same thing, will destroy free markets. That's the only reason. They don't believe any of this stuff. All right, moving on. So something came out yesterday. Uh, you could see in the Washington Examiner about the John Durham investigation. I haven't covered Spygate in any kind of detail in a long time, the spying operation on Donald Trump. But this is a pretty serious development by Jerry Dunleavy, who's been a great, great reporter on Spygate and the collusion hoax. You'll see this article in my newsletter today as well. John Durham, who's investigating this whole operation, the Spygate thing, tells court members of Clinton 2016 campaign under scrutiny. Okay, uh, listen, l again, let me put the big caveat emptor, buyer beware. I am not telling you the sky is falling on the Clinton campaign. I'm not telling you Hillary Clinton's getting into handcuffs. Please, nothing irks me more because I read your feedback on the show. Dan, you told people, I'm not telling you that. I'm simply giving you the facts. John Durham, who was prosecuting these Spygate hoaxers, indicated in court yesterday that one of the people they're looking into Danchenko, there may be some legal problems with his law firm because some of the lawyers are working on Hillary Clinton's defense to this too. That's a big deal. Why would there be a conflict of interest? Because Durham is investigating the Clinton campaign too. Is anything going to happen? I don't know. I have almost no faith left in the Justice Department. I'm simply reporting to you the fact that Durham is clearly now investigating Hillary Clinton and her campaign. That's a fact. It's in, in the court record. What do I think he could be investigating? I want you to follow me here. This is one of those segments that's going to require us to do a little bit of a deep dive I haven't done in a while, but it's an important one nonetheless. It's obvious now Hillary Clinton and her team fabricated the collusion hoax. Okay, we all get that. Donald Trump colluded with the Russians was a figment of Hillary Clinton's imagination. The question is who's been the ringleader in this thing outside of Hillary Clinton and her, and her, and her small cabal of campaign staff? Folks, in my opinion, I think the possible ringleader here, as I've indicated a long time ago, is a guy named Strobe Talbot. Strobe Talbot worked for Bill Clinton in Bill Clinton's uh, State Department. He was a higher up in Bill Clinton's State Department when he was the president of the United States. Strobe Talbot is a longtime Clinton insider. 
And Shrobe Talbot worked at a place called the Brookings Institution, which is central to the creation of the collusion hoax. I want you to look at Brookings' own release about Shrobe Talbot. Remember, Talbot is a big-time Clinton insider. Shrobe Talbot's a distinguished fellow in the foreign policy program at the Brookings Institution. Talbot served as president of the Brookings Institution from July 2002 to October 2017. Prior to joining Brookings, Shrobe Talbot was founding director of the Yale Center for the Study of Globalization. Before that, he served in the State Department from... Ding, 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 1993 to 2001. Who was president at the time? William Jefferson Clinton. First as ambassador at large and special advisor to Secretary of State. And for the new independent states of the former Soviet Union. Guy was then deputy secretary of state for seven years. So Strobe Talbot worked at Brookings, was responsible for the Russia profile, and was Bill Clinton's deputy secretary of state. Wow, that's kind of fascinating. What does Brookings have to do with this and Strobe Talbot? Ladies and gentlemen, there had to be a ringleader. Talbot is a known Clinton insider. Well, a long time ago, we reported that Strobe Talbot has a very close uh, pal, a guy by the name of Cody Shear. Cody Shear produced a second dossier. I'm going to make the case to you that this is the actual dossier. Strobe Talbot and Cody Shear are tight. Here, National Review, Brendan uh, Bordland wrote a piece on Cody Shear a long time ago. Meet Cody Shear, the strangest character in Hillary Clinton's uh, vast left-wing conspiracy. This is from 2015. Cody Shear's career took a strange turn when the Clintons entered the White House in 1992. His entree into the first family's orbit was Strobe Talbot, who happens to be Cody Shear's brother-in-law, who had been a friend of Bill Clinton since the president's days at Oxford. Talbot served as deputy secretary in Bill Clinton's State Department. His brother-in-law, Cody Shear, took a different route, allegedly working with Clinton enforcer Terry Lesnar to investigate and at times intimidate women who accused Bill Clinton of sexual harassment. So Strobe Talbot works at Brookings, handled a lot of the Russia stuff, Clinton Deputy Secretary of State. Strobe Talbot's brother-in-law is Cody Shear, known Clinton hatchet man, brother-in-law uh, <clears throat> brother to, to uh, Strobe Talbot. What does Cody Shear have to do with any of this and his connections to Strobe Talbot? Well, it's interesting. The Guardian had a fascinating piece a while ago about a, quote, second Trump-Russia dossier being assessed by the FBI. Really? Always this all just the same dossier, and they had a problem bringing it to the FBI with Cody Shear because Cody Shear was a known Clinton hatchet man. So maybe Cody Shear wasn't the right face for the dossier, so they needed someone else. So who better than Christopher Steele, right? Former foreign spy, supposedly had connections in Russia. Take one piece of information, remove it from Shear and give it to Steele. Oh, here we go. The Guardian, a left-wing outlet, wrote a piece about just this. Second Trump-Russia dossier being assessed by the FBI. Quote, Cody Shear's a controversial figure in Washington. Conservative outlets have accused him of being a hatchet man and a member of a secret spy ring within the Clinton's orbit. They say there's no evidence the Clinton campaign was aware of the Shear member. No, 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 no. But other people who know Shear say he's not just a Democratic Party hack. And there's no evidence his memo was ever sought by Clinton campaign officials. Oh, let's see. I guess John Doerr may be looking at that. Sources say that while Cody Shear lacks the precision and polish of a seasoned former spy like Steele, there it is, Shear has also been described as having a large network of sources around the world. You see what's happening here, folks? Former Clinton insider Strobe Talbot's brother-in-law, Cody Shear, puts together a dossier. The allegations resemble the other dossier from Christopher Steele. Maybe the FBI didn't think Cody Shear would be a reliable source because he's a brother-in-law to Clinton's former deputy secretary of state and a known Clinton hatchet man. So, hey, just pass the information off to Christopher Steele. He was a former spy. Then the same information will look legit. Is this what John Durham's looking into? So who was the connection between Strobe Talbot, Brookings, Cody Shear, and the Obama White House? Remember that Clintons and the Obamas weren't tight all the time. Well, first you have to take into account Victoria Nuland. Victoria Nuland 
who was the assistant secretary of state in the Obama White House for Eurasian affairs covering Ukraine and other areas. You mean Ukraine like the impeachment, which was a cover to get rid of Trump people after they lost on the Spygate thing? Yeah. Victoria Newland with Strobe Talbot's former chief of staff worked deep inside the Obama White House and the State Department. Was she a conduit between Strobe Talbot, Cody Shear, and the Obama White House? Interesting, isn't it? Former chief of staff, Strobe Talbot. Well, what else came out of Brookings? Remember, Strobe Talbot worked there. What else came out of Brookings? Newland did some writings for Brookings, right? Well, the primary subsource came out of Brookings. The tri- pri- primary subsource is under indictment right now by John Durham is a Russian analyst by the name of Igor Denchenko. CBS News. Russian analyst who worked on the Steele dossier pleads not guilty to federal charges. His name was Danchenko. Before Danchenko, quote, was introduced to Steele in 2010 and hired as a contractor for his investigative firm, Danchenko worked for several years as an analyst at the Brookings Institution, where he focused on Russia and Eurasian geopolitical matters, according to the indictment. Oh, my gosh. That's really weird. What did I tell you about the Ukraine impeachment, about the phone call? That the Ukraine impeachment was, uh, was a cover to get rid of Donald Trump after the Spygate thing didn't work out. And isn't it weird that the people involved in Ukraine affairs for the Democrats, Victoria Nuland, Fiona Hill, all of these other people, all seem to be connected to both cases. Isn't that kind of odd? Yeah. Finally, here's another connection to Brookings. Remember Fiona Hill? Worked inside D.C. for a long time over multiple administrations. She was at Brookings, too. Remember her testifying against Trump at the Ukraine impeachment? Where's Fiona Hill? Fiona Hill was a senior fellow at the Center on the United States and Europe in the Foreign Policy Program at the Brookings Institution, run by Strobe Dalvin. She recently served as deputy assistant to the president and senior director for European and Russian affairs. There we go again. She served as a national intelligence officer for Russia and Eurasia at the National Intelligence Council. So just to be clear, as I sum this up, John Durham's investigating the Clinton campaign for their role in creating the fake uh, the fake Russian collusion hoax and spying on Donald Trump. The Clinton campaign is very close to a guy named Strobe Talbot who ran the Brookings Institution. The people involved in the Ukrainian impeachment of Donald Trump were uh, Victoria Nuland, Fiona Hill, and others who also had connections to the Brookings Institution and worked on the Ukraine portfolio. Cody Shear is the brother-in-law to Strobe Talbot. Cody Shear produces a dossier that sounds suspiciously like the Christopher Steele dossier. The allegations are pretty much the same. And then when Cody Shear's dossier doesn't get picked up, all of a sudden it gets handed off to Christopher Steele. And then conveniently, to use his cover, Christopher Steele's primary subsource becomes a guy, Danchenko, who works at Brookings, where Strobe Talbot used to work, and is also responsible for Eurasia, Ukraine, and other areas. Remember the name Strobe Talbot, folks. My humble opinion. He is one of the possible ringleaders of this operation. More on that coming. All right, let me get to my uh, my uh, I, I, my second sponsor here. But coming up, I <laughs> I'm sorry to, to expose you to two dreadful AOC clips in the same show. We've been uh, staying away from this for a bit, not on purpose. It's just there's just so much else going on. But AOC and the left again are having a difficult time with math, as we indicated yesterday from the ABC tweet. One senator, Joe Manchin, stopping the president's agenda. President's agenda. It's actually 51. 151. I don't know why you have a difficult time with math. Um, you're just humiliating yourself. All right. Today's uh, show also sponsored by Omaha. I'm an Omaha Steaks household here. Our family loves Omaha Steaks. I think of some memories I had back in Maryland, uh, cooking some Omaha Steaks in the winter there on the grill, bringing them in for the family. They're absolutely delicious. There's nothing from Omaha I don't recommend. The food, the desserts, even the seasoning is spectacular. The holidays are here. Finding the perfect gift can be tricky. Omaha Steaks makes it super easy to send friends and family an unforgettable gift guaranteed to be loved. Go to omahasteaks.com and enter Bongino in the search bar. Bongino in the search bar and save over 50% when you order the perfect gift package today. 
For $99.99, you'll get the delicious butcher's cut top sirloins, chicken breasts, sides, desserts, and so much more. When you use code Bongino, you'll not only save over 50%, you'll also get an additional eight Omaha Steaks burgers free. He's getting excited right now. He's like, send those burgers my way. Put little grill lines on them. Yeah, baby. Order the perfect gift package today at omahasteaks.com. Don't forget, you'll get eight free burgers. Omaha, can we get a Gee's favorite package too? It'd be all burgers. Oh, he loves the burgers. You'll get eight free burgers when entering the code Bongino in the search bar. And if you're a new customer ordering for the first time, enter Bongino at checkout and you'll get $20 off select packages. Achieve gifting greatness with Omaha Steaks. Incredible flavor, incredible value, and 100% guaranteed. So tender, delicious. OmahaSteaks.com. Keyword Bongino. Check them out. You'll love it. All right. Just quickly, I'm not going to beat this thing to death. Uh, Again, I showed you in the beginning of the show how they're immune to facts and data. We're going to die in nine years, 12 years, 50 years. It doesn't matter. They're going to stick to the narrative. We're all going to die. It doesn't matter what the time. They're just going to make it up as they go along. Here's AOC again in the left pretending that they can't do basic math. Joe Manchin has joined with the Republicans and said, I am not going to support the Build Back Worse plan. The Republicans have 50 members. That means it's 51, which last time I checked with a hundred uh, person body in the Senate, 51's a majority. My math may be way off, Joe, but 51, I believe, is a majority in a hundred person body. I'm just checking. Yeah. Please check. Can you do me a favor? I know you're going to need a moment. Let's play this AOC clip. And on the other side of this break, if you could confirm with us that 51 is, in fact, a majority in a 100-member body, it takes some time. I don't want to rush you. Here's AOC again, who has a difficult time with math, claiming that the Senate is undemocratic because 51 people have an opinion the other 49 don't. (laughs) I'm kidding. Check this out. It is unconscionable the way that the Senate operates. It's fundamentally undemocratic. And now what it's doing is that it is allowing the stripping of people's voting rights across the country. We're in a crisis. 19 states have passed over 33 laws to limit or restrict the right to vote in the United States of America. We are beyond the time for something to pass. Ah. Undemocratic, Joe. Just uh, you know, I gave you some time. Yeah. I, I don't know if you need more. No, I'm gonna have to look at your scrap paper too for what the work you did. I'm gonna have to see that afterwards. Well, but is 51 in fact a majority? Yeah, in a hundred member body. I googled body? it, and 51 is a majority. Yeah. Okay, good, good, good. You had to double check online. Yeah. I didn't tell you could go. You kind of cheated a little bit, but that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. I'll I'll allow it. I'll allow it this one time. Remember in college, you had to kind of show your work in those little yeah. blue books. Joe should show his work. I think it's only fair to the audience. But yes, 51 is in fact a majority. So AOC can only, uh, is, is not only incapable of doing math, she's also incapable of telling the truth. 13 states have passed rules limiting voting. That's totally factually inaccurate. But I mean, this is what happens. I, I, she, listen, bartenders are smart. My guy Pete from Glenn Patrick's Pub on Cross Bay, he was a super smart guy. I may have had a few beers there in my day. With my brother. But Pete was a really smart guy. Had great life advice. AOC, we owned the bar. The bartenders we have are really smart. AOC is an embarrassment to bartenders. This is one of the dumbest human beings on planet Earth. Really. And the fact that the Democrats have placed all their faith in her going forward should really, really be a great thing. Should be a wonderful thing for Republicans. She is going to drive that party, I promise you, into a ditch. She's not only an ideological train wreck. She's a certified imbecile. Undemocratic. 51 voting against 49. That's undemocratic. Love for you to explain that in the basic math class to a bunch of third graders. Moving on. New rules are in effect, folks. I've told you about the new rules. The old rules are out. The old rules, hey, we're all going to have to play nice and cute in the sandbox. You can stick those rules up your caboose. We won't be doing those rules anymore. The new rules are in effect. The Democrats have decided to dissolve the old rules, turn Congress into some a star chamber-like super investigative body where they're going to subpoena people, act like quasi-FBI agents, send Steve Bannon and Mark Meadows to jail. So, okay, you want to do investigations in Congress? We can do investigations too. Got it? Just the news. I'd like you to read this article because it's a good one, and they better follow through. Listen to me. GOP swamp, swamptopians. <coughs> Excuse me. You better follow through. If we hand you back the House and the Senate, 
You better follow through on these investigations. We'll be watching. This show will be watching. We've got you on the record now. The article's titled From Fauci to Big Tech. GOP already has a clear investigative targets, excuse me, if it wins back to Congress. The election's a year away. House Republicans already know what they want to investigate and who they want to subpoena. You damn well better follow through on this. Some of the investigations we might be looking at. The NSA allegedly spying on Tucker Carlson. The school board's memo treating parents like domestic terrorists. The Hunter Biden ongoing corruption selling America out scandal. The IRS leak scandal. The IRS's leaked treasure troves of information about private Americans out to uh, leftist outlets. The border crisis. The Afghanistan, the, the deadly situation in Afghanistan. Fauci, gain of function. I want all of it. And if they don't comply with subpoenas, they go to jail. Your rules, not mine. Your rules. You want to throw Bannon in jail and Mark Meadows? Your rule, not my rules. Your rules. You better follow through. We will be watching everything. By the way, you can add this to the investigative list as well. Scott Atlas, who, um, by I'm in a disclosure, folks, I'm proud of my publishing operation here, but we, uh, one of the books I'm publishing this year with in Liberaccio Protocol, which is my publisher, is A Plague Upon Our House. This is the actual book. This is Scott Atlas's book, A Plague Upon Our House. I promise you, it is a devastating inside account of what happened with all the people giving President Trump awful advice and how they tried to screw over America. It's called A Plague Upon Our House. Pick it up. Here's Scott Atlas on uh, the great Steve Hilton's podcast, California Rebel Base. He's talking to Steve Hilton and his co-host about what happened with insiders in the White House when he was there and how they were so desperate to do the wrong thing, pushing for lockdowns while not focusing on vulnerable, pe vulnerable people like nursing homes. And look where it led us now. Here's Scott Atlas. Check this out. The president, you're right, Steve, was on record as saying that lockdowns are, are super destructive. Schools should open safely. Society must open. We shouldn't be locking down healthy people. Uh, and instead, uh, what what uh, and this is sort of the stuff. This is what I wanted was uh, made more sense, which was targeted protection, increasing protection of the people at risk. There it is. Listen, I met with Doctor Burks early uh, in this in a small group of people that were there. All right, I got the impression early on that. Um, she was going to be uh, a, a, an alarmist and not someone looking to solve problems. Sadly, I was correct. We can see this now through Dr. Burks, who appeared to be uh, of the same, uh, same mind with Fauci. We have an email to Mark Short, Mark Short, who worked with the vice president. Dr. Burks did not like the fact that Scott Atlas, who I feel was a much more intelligent and well, more well-grounded guy when it comes to this epidemic, um, she had no respect for him at all. Dr. Burks and Fauci were committed to this lockdown masking strategy, which has clearly failed. And when Scott Atlas brought up alternative ideas like focusing all of our resources on vulnerable people, vulnerable people, triaging our operation to make sure they didn't die, she didn't like that. So now we have this new email from Dr. Burks. This isn't personal. She was very kind to me. I didn't, it wasn't a personal meeting with her. It was a group meeting, but it was a rather small group. She was an affable uh, woman, wasn't nasty to me or anything, but I got the impression early on she was going to be an alarmist. And sadly, I was right. Here, notice in this email to Mark Short, she calls people like Atlas. This is who she's referring to. A fringe group without grounding in epidemics, public health, or on the ground common sense experience. None of that, is, of course, is accurate, as Scott Atlas uh, and Jay Bhattacharya and others who signed the Great Barrington Declaration have now been proven correct. That the strategy to lock down society and people who are not generally at risk was a major cataclysmic disaster. I'm going to get to some of the poll data in a minute because the poll data on Biden's handling and people like Burks and Fauci who were of similar mind to Saki and Biden and others, how his, his just disastrous, dreadful handling of the coronavirus is destroying his support, even, even in the minority community, destroying his support. 
you're looking for a firearm that's easy to transport, you got to check out the U.S. Survival Rifle from Henry Repeating Arms. It's a portable rifle you can put together and take apart in a few minutes. And then when you're not using it, you can store the parts in the little case it comes in. It's so small, it can be stored anywhere, in a go bag, anywhere. It's light enough to carry everywhere. Comes in black and two different camo patterns. You can pick one up for three to $400, depending on the finish. You can watch a few videos at henryusa.com survival. And while you're there, be sure to order their free catalog. Henry makes more than 200 rifles, shotguns, and revolvers in the role made in America, backed by a lifetime satisfaction guarantee and the best customer service in the business. Go to their website. It's henryusa.com and be sure to order a free catalog. They'll send it with free decals on a list of dealers in your area. That's henryusa.com for a free catalog and decals and to see the Henry U.S. Survival Rifle. So because of people like Burks and Fauci and Francis Collins and these panic pushers, we got to lock it down, lock down the schools, masks, mandates, vaccine mandates. None of this is working because of that. The public is catching on. How do we know the public's catching on? Because look at this. Giancarlo Sopo on his verified Twitter account. A new national PBS Marist poll finds Joe Biden's approval rating is significantly lower with Hispanics than it is with whites. Oh, yeah, oh, oh, yeah that's that's bad. Yeah. Hispanic disapproval, 65%. White disapproval, 56%. Sopo notes these numbers are devastating to Democrats. Folks, listen to me. By the way, it's not just them. Key, throw up the Hill article. Biden's approval rating overall is the lowest it's ever been. The Hill. Michael Schnell, December 20th, 2021. Biden approval rating at historic low in NPR, PBS, NewsHour, Marispol. You would think if these people had any common sense at all, they do not, that they would say, what are we doing wrong? The public's not digging our chili. We're serving the chili bowl. The public's not liking it. What are we doing wrong? Maybe the lockdowns, the mandates. Maybe we should just tell the public at this time, we have therapeutics. We're working on more. We'll try to improve these vaccines. Otherwise, go out and live your life. Don't go around sick people. If you're sick, stay home. You would think that would happen. No, nope, nope, nope. The panic brigade continues as Biden's approval rating goes down and down and down and down. And let me tell you, there's a silver lining to this, like I said on my Fox show this past week. The silver lining to all this is this. The Democrats cannot win a national election without this and only this coalition. They need single, uh, single moms, suburban moms, young voters. Hispanic voters, black voters, and uh, minority voters. Let me say, that's a big coalition. It is a big coalition. They're losing moms. They're losing suburban moms. They're losing single moms because of their education agenda. They're now losing Hispanic voters. Black voters, they're starting to lose as well. Not majorities of them, not even close, but enough to do real damage. And other minority groups as well are turning on them. Folks, if Hispanic voters... An enormous voting block in the United States in mass moves from Democrats to the Republican Party. I am telling you, there will not be another national victory for the Democrats anytime in the future. There is simply no math. Please take my word for it. Yeah, Guy brings up a good point. Watch the pandering intensify, which is not working. It's not working. It's not working. Hispanic voters don't want free stuff. They don't want to be told God is terrible. They don't want to be told their kids are racist because they're white Hispanic or whatever nonsense you make up. They don't want it. What part of this are you not getting? I'm not trying to talk you out of it, though. You keep it up. This is apocalyptic news for the Democrats. All right, moving on. I want to address something here because no matter how many times I address it, it just continues to come back because there's this just, the left, folks, is just bizarrely obsessed with me. It's just weird. It's like boiling bunny obsessed. I get it. Um, I, I, I get it that I do, you know, particularly harmful damage to their tyrannical agenda. And therefore, they try to take me out. But what bothers them is they don't have any character stuff to do with me. And I stand on principle. So what they do is they're constantly trying to attack me to degrade me in your eye. It's not to the left. The leftists hate me already. There's nothing more to degrade. 
So one of the things that keeps coming up is this, my situation with Cumulus. Cumulus is my, my radio show syndicator. They also are a sales agent for my podcast. They work for me on the podcast, not the other way around. They have a vaccine mandate at Cumulus, and they fired people. With a black heart, they fired people. Coldly. The emails are horrible. And as I promised and I meant it, we're going to be um, financially helping out some of them. Uh, because we because we want to, and it's the right thing to do. We're not looking for any pats on the back, believe me. But for some reason, the left's become obsessed with this story. They're obsessed with the story because they don't like the fact that I have one of the largest radio shows in the country, second, maybe third largest, depending on what Clay and Buck, I don't know how many stations they have now. It's not a competition. I'm just throwing that out there, but it's an enormous show. The left doesn't like it that a guy who has eight and a half to nine million listeners by the day is standing up against vaccine mandates because they love vaccine mandates. That's their thing. And they don't like it that I've stood up and have made a dent. So they're desperately emailing me every day because they're thirsty. Um, they're cowards and chumps that never had, you know, and they never stood for anything in their lives. I had said to Cumulus um, a while ago, and I meant it on October 18th, that they can have me or they can have the mandate. I meant it. Now, I'll say this. It's probably, I should have been a little clearer on what I meant by that. I was trying to be cryptic because I wanted to give Cumulus time to work some stuff out. That was clearly a mistake. Cumulus has shown no integrity in this process at all. I have a contract with Cumulus. I did Cumulus a big favor when, uh, we, rushed, when we lost Rush Limbaugh tragically too soon. I did not want this job in 12 to 3 initially. I did them a favor um, because they needed someone. And I grew to love it. I, I like and enjoy the show now. I love being there 12 to 3 with you every day. But they rushed us through the process. And we're locked in for a little over two more years. If I leave now, number one, not only will people who work for me lose their jobs also, which would be unbelievably counterproductive, but secondly, Cumulus would get a financial windfall, which would not only make them very wealthy and better off, but then they would sell the show to someone else because I'm sure some parasite would come in and take it tomorrow. So then they would be rewarded. Now, I've given Cumulus an opportunity. I was trying to be kind about it to uh, uh, get rid of this ridiculous, unscientific, immoral vaccine mandate. Cumulus is trying to hold their ground. They told their investors on a call, it's all public, that uh, my earnings, I guess, were not material to the company, which is quite hilarious. If you can do math, call and try and get an ad on my show and see what it costs and do the math times four. We run four spots and then look at their market cap and you tell me if my earnings are material. I think you'll get a different answer. But I'll be, here's what we're going to do now. We'll be making an announcement. We're taking some time off. It's not related to this. This was, I don't want to, again, spin your wheels. But when we come back after the new year, I'm going to give them some time again to rethink this thing because I really do want this to work out and I want these people to be taken care of. But then we'll be making an announcement about the future with Cumulus. Unfortunately, I'm locked in for a little bit. Not that much longer, but I'm locked in. I'm not going to spin your wheels. Me leaving does them no benefit. Not only that, it hurts the radio stations who've been very good to me. Don't confuse the radio. The radio stations have nothing to do with this. It's the parent company. They've been good to me. I'm not going to leave them in a lurch. The program directors there and the radio station managers have been amazing. They are good people. A lot of them have expressed support for me in my fight against Cumulus. But I can't leave them in a lurch either. But I meant clearly what I said. They can have me or they can have their mandate. But they can't have both. And while they may have leverage in this medium term over the next couple of years, they have absolutely no leverage going forward. Zero. I meant what I said. And the only reason the left is relentlessly attacking me is because they want us to turn on each other. Say, look, he didn't mean it. I guess we'll see, won't we? When we come back in January, once you make an announcement on the air, that's it, right? Can't go back then. I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see who has balls and who doesn't. Let's wait and see. And by the way, to Michael Harrison and Brian Rosenwald, who thought it would be a good idea to go and try to 
crap on me as like radio talk industry historians to the uh, to a left wing rag outlet. I don't know who you are. I've never heard of you in my life, Brian Rosenswell, talk radio historian. Um, I plan on never hearing from you again either. But it's kind of odd you felt the need to having no knowledge whatsoever of my what I'm doing with Cumulus to fight for these people. You probably have you're, you're probably a castrated eunuch too along with some Michael Harrison cat from Talkers. Oh, Dan Bongino maybe overestimated his clout. I guess we'll see, won't we, Michael? Who runs a blog called like Talkers or something like that. Oh, you don't know who they are? No, I've heard of him a couple times. I have no idea who this guy is. Apparently knows me, though. Thirsty. Had to get in the newspaper. We'll see who's got clout and who doesn't. Right? Wait your apology later. All right, moving on. You know what? Let me get to um, this last spot. Here's what I got coming up. I want to get to the Zuckerbuck scandal because it's a big deal. Mark Zuckerberg spending money in swing districts and how the Democrats are going to have a real problem going forward. Also, I'd like the GOP to add this to their investigative list if we take back the House and the Senate. And then I want to show you a tweet showing that the Dan Bongino golden rule that we think Republican, uh, Democrats are people with bad ideas. They think we're bad people with ideas. Again, proving my golden rule is, in fact, accurate. Okay. So remember the whole Russian collusion fiasco, and one of the basis, is, one of the basis for it was, listen, the Russians spent $100,000 on Facebook ads in, like, Wisconsin or something. That was it. Yeah. $100,000, you're like, wow. So the Russians can alter an election and get a president like Donald Trump elected with only $100,000 in Wisconsin? Woo! Man, that should be a template going forward for the GOP. Spend $100,000 in a swing state, you can flip an election. Why didn't we think of that? But you notice when other people spend money in swing states to get Democrats elected, did you notice nobody seems to give a flying... Did you notice that? Washington Examiner, Paul Bedard is the story. Be my newsletter today about Zuckerbucks. Remember Zuckerbucks? Facebook's Mark Zuckerberg? Yeah. Dumping a whole boatload of money into swing states and specifically locations that voted for, uh, uh, voted for Joe Biden. Here's a headline. 2020 Zuckerbucks dumped in eight states. 90% of the money went to Biden counties. Here's a tweet by Claudia Tenney. Claudia Tenney, she's a congresswoman right now. She shows a side-by-side comparison showing the dramatic difference between how the CTCL funneled the Zuckerbucks to these Democratic-leading counties to drive up turnout while underinvesting in counties likely to break for Trump. Look at the difference, folks. Texas Democrat County, 34 million. GOP County, 2 million. Ohio, another swing state, 4.7 million to 3.7 million. Nevada, 2.6 2.6 million into swing counties, zero to GOP counties, all Zuckerbucks. Minnesota, 7 million. GOP county, just 60,000. Georgia, 42,000 to th- 42 million, excuse me, to 3 million. Here's the last one. Florida has more in there. You can check it out, the, the, the article yourself. It's embedded in there in that piece. 14 million of Florida uh, for in the Democrat counties, 1 million in the GOP counties. I need an investigation into this. You need an investigation into this. America needs an investigation into this. Why? Can you please explain to me with a straight face how it is that you rested your entire Russian collusion hoax, right? On Russia spending $100,000 on Facebook ads in some swing state, right? But now you're talking about tens of millions of dollars in turnout operations, invested almost exclusively in Democrat-leading counties that voted for Joe Biden. And you're suggesting to me that it was the Republicans. It was the Republicans who interfered in an election? You'll get nothing and like it. You're darn right, Judge Smales. And I still haven't seen Caddyshack, by the way, just to know. Or The Godfather, which is a disgrace. Either one of them. I get a lot of emails, but since I admitted it, I've never seen, I know Judge Smales only from the Smales exhortation. You will get nothing and you'll like it. I'd like to see an investigation into that. I'd like to have Mark Zuckerberg up there or Facebook uh, answering questions about the CTCL and why they donated all that money to these specific counties. What was it? 
Was it an effort to juice Democratic-only turnout? If that were the case, why wasn't this declared a political donation? Was it? How did this work out exactly? And I'd like them to explain how Russia got Donald Trump in the White House with $100,000 in Wisconsin, but Mark Zuckerberg didn't get Biden in the White House with tens of millions in swing counties. I'd like you to explain that. That would be quite fascinating. All right, moving on. You know my golden rule, right? The evidence just pops up by the day that everything I've been telling you is correct. The facts, vaccine, all of this, right? So one of my golden rules is we think Democrats are people with bad ideas. They think Republicans are bad people with ideas. So Bette Midler, kind of a joker, hasn't done anything since, like, what, The Witches of Eastwick or whatever that movie was. Was it? Was she in Beaches or something like that, too? Bette Midler's getting, I, I heard she could sing. Uh, who knows what she's up to now. But Bette Midler thought it would be a good idea to attack Joe Manchin after he joined 50 senators. Uh, that makes 51. 50 plus one is 51. Just, just <laughs> trying to redo the math again for the Democrats. So yeah, she thought it would be a good idea, Bette Midler, to attack Joe Manchin. She's like, screw that, Joe Manchin. I'm going to shred this idiot. Now, keep in mind, she is a Hollywood snob and elitist. And uh, although me and Megan McCain are probably not the best of friends, Megan McCain tweeted to Bette Midler after the tweet I'm about to read. It's because of people like you that people in West Virginia vote for Joe Manchin. She tweeted this, Bette Midler. What Joe Manchin, who represents a population smaller than Brooklyn, has done to the rest of America, who wants to move forward, not backward, like his state, West Virginia, is horrible. He sold us out. He wants us all to be just like his state, West Virginia. Poor, illiterate, and strung out. <laughs> now, Bette Midler has uh, tried to walk that tweet back. We're not going to let her, uh, of course. That's probably exactly what she was thinking at the time she sent it out. But is that not, again, more evidence of the Dan Bongino golden rule about how they think we are genuinely awful people? And to the people in West Virginia, I've spent a decent amount of time in West Virginia and the West Virginia, Maryland border. A friend of mine, her father had a cabin up there. We used to, uh, they used to let us use once in a while. West Virginia is a beautiful, gorgeous place. Then the fact that you as a resident of West Virginia and an American citizen have to listen to Hollywood elitist snobs like Bette Midler, who hasn't done anything since beaches, address you like you're a bunch of poor, illiterate, strung out losers is candidly an embarrassing disgrace. All right, moving on. I want to waste a lot of time. My final story, I didn't get to it yesterday. I wanted to get to it today. Listen, regarding the growing inflation crisis, folks, I don't want you to fall into this, uh, this narrative building by the left and the math trap. Listen, Joe Biden knows exactly what he's doing. He knows the printing of a bunch of money we don't have via the infrastructure bill, whatever it may be, is going to lead to an inflation crisis because the money has to come from somewhere, notably the Federal Reserve. He understands that. Now, because it's leading to an inflation crisis we haven't seen since the Carter era, he needs to blame people because, again, it's the facts vaccine. They think Democrats are stupid that whatever they tell you, you're going to fall for. I want you to keep your eye on a very specific number. The CPI is a big deal. The consumer price index, that's going to measure a basket of, I think it's 200 goods. That's going to measure inflation on the consumer forward-facing front, the stuff you go in and buy, right? Steak, furniture, computers, you buy it, forward-facing, right? On the back end of that, on backward-facing, is the producer price index. That's what the producers have to pay for the inputs to give you the stuff forward-facing to you. They have to pay for cows to produce beef, unless you're eating that fake beef, right? Chemically made beef, whatever the hell that is. They have to buy the glass and chips for computers, the plastics, the complicated rare earth minerals, right? They have to buy that stuff. It is very easy to prove to you that Joe Biden is making this up, blaming inflation on these, you know, grotesque, greedy companies who are the, they are just the middlemen. One, it would be interesting to make the argument that greed has just surfaced since Joe Biden got into office. But secondly, just look at the PPI. These companies that are passing on these prices to you are doing so because they're paying even more. The inputs to sell you these products are through the roof, folks. Just look. The data's right there. Don't get suckered by this blame game. It's pathetic. It's infantile. Data has to matter. It has to matter. 
Your food and your furniture and your computers and your cars and rental cars are more expensive for one simple reason. There's more money chasing goods and there's not enough goods out there. That's why the glass in your car, the engine, the motor oil, the rubber on the tires is all more expensive. And that's why you're paying more. These companies have a profit margin they have to meet to stay in business. If they don't meet it, they don't have a business. This is not charity. I'm sorry. The world, that world does not exist. Businesses are in business to produce quality products people will buy and want. They are also in business to pay their employees, keep their stores open, pay their electric bill, keep them clean, stay stocked with inventory, and shockingly to make a profit. And for those of you out there on the left that hate profit and think profit's a bad thing, I ask you a very simple question. Dipwads on the left. Do you work for free? No, I don't work for free. Oh, you don't work for free. You just want everyone in corporate America to work for free. Profit's a bad thing unless you profit from your work. Just to be clear, you're not volunteering any of your time at your job. None. You want to profit from your work. You just don't want companies to profit from theirs. Just checking. All right, folks, that's uh all I got for you today. Again, I, I don't mean to, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't mean to waste a lot of your time on what's going on, but this saga with me, it's not just a personal story. It's not just me, you know, uh, burning up my time on what's going on with Cumulus. The story matters because it's, it, 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 it's the left is just desperate to character assassinate all of us when they can't find real things out there. And they're doing it by, you know, maliciously mischaracterizing the facts about what's going on. I'll have more on this on my radio show later. I got my friend, bodybuilder Steve Kuklo, coming on, you know, around the holidays, New Year's, kind of getting shape stuff. I love my man Kuklo, so check him out. He'll be on later on the radio show. Make sure you subscribe to my show on Rumble, rumble.com slash Bongino. It's all free. We really appreciate it. I'll see you all tomorrow. You just heard Dan Bongino.